Hello, and welcome once again to This Week in the Ancient Near East, the podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves. I'm Alex Jaffe, director of the Bob and Ray Institute of Archaeology at the University of Southern North Dakota at Hoople. With me, once again, are two academics from real institutions, Professor J.P. Dessel of the University of Tennessee and Professor Rachel Hallett of the State University of New York at Purchase. We're speaking to you today from the Colonel Harlan Sanders Center for Avian Biogenomics here on the beautiful Hoople campus. Today we're talking about new studies that have revolutionized our understanding of everybody's favorite bird, the chicken. Contrary to previous thought, the chicken was not domesticated in Neolithic China, but vastly later, around 1500 BCE in Southeast Asia. From there, the noble bird spread its wings and flew west, reaching Italy by the 8th century BC and Britain by about the 5th or 6th century. But if this weren't shocking enough, it seems that for centuries chickens were not eaten but kept as elite pets. This raises a whole series of questions like, how could we have gotten all this so wrong? And who was the first person to eat their pet? There. Now it's on. Okay. And now that we just, we used up all of our good stuff. I know. Um, what are we talking about? Okay, no, here, I have, a, I have the lightning rounds. Um, very simple, very straightforward, very telling. White meat or dark meat? Mm. So easy. So easy. Uh, is it? Is it, it is. though? It is. It is. Okay, go for it. Let's hear from you both. Which, which one goes first? Rachel, you can, Rachel, you right. go. Uh, white meat, clearly. Although dark for the meat. very first time in years, I had dark meat last night, but uh, <laughs> only because there wasn't any white meat. And I, was this, I got fountain penning all over myself now, <laughs> <laughs> proving that I can't multitask. Um, white meat. White dark meat. meat. Thighs. No, nothing better than a marinated chicken thigh. Or oh, chicken wow. thigh in any, in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to go with, with dark meat, but I, I evolved well, to the extent that <laughs> me and the word evolved could be used in any. I, I in any eyes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. Um, no, I, when I was a kid, it was very much uh, white meat, but now um, dark meat, 100%. Now, if you asked about turkeys, that mm. would be a little bit of a tricky question. That, what, and what would be the answer? I am by when it comes to turkeys. <laughs> huh. Okay. White and dark meat. I'm still white meat, especially with turkey. Goodness. Well, there you go. Yeah. I have a preference towards um, white meat in turkey because it's, it's, it's not typically, you know, leathery and, <laughs> and dry, um, or at least not right away. But, um, Interesting. Well, uh, you know, and again, for our, our listener, <laughs> the only listener out there, you can put this in your psychological profiles of us and, and uh, see, what, see what you make of it. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but why are we belaboring all this, all this chicken feed? <laughs> um, does somebody want to set it up or should I just leap in? Well, somebody yeah, should somebody set, it up. set it up. Rachel, why don't you set it up? You're good at setting it up. You're the good, yeah. You're all right. It's like yeah. you're a professor or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you, don't get, you don't get ink all over your hands while you're it's speaking. Like you're a still sentient professor. Well, <laughs> vaguely, vaguely, right. vaguely. There's, um, a, there's a Venn diagram of that. It's like you're right in the middle. <laughs> all right. So I'll set it up. Um, I may need some help setting it up, but um, basically, there's been new thoughts regarding chickens based on archaeology. Um, that's, that's great. That's it in a nutshell. That's it in a nutshell, right? Right. Um, new thinking were, about chickens. New, new thoughts about poultry. <laughs> a podcast. 
So in, in two or three ways, uh, first of all, uh, precisely where they came from, where the domestic chicken originated, that's one. And two is the date of chickens entering um, the, the human uh, element and when they started to be eaten regularly. And right. The chicken's first mistake. <laughs> hanging, out with the, hanging out with the humans. Right. And, and then the, the third element, how the spread of chicken eating um, took place. Not chicken eating. They weren't eating them when they diffused. Not, right, right, right. The, right. the, the spread of the chicken, the chicken qua chicken. Right. The, the, yeah, chicken diffusion, chicken um, <laughs> <laughs> migrating. <laughs> So, so that's the Empire Chicken Diffusion Branch. Does somebody want to take it back to the beginning, to the red jungle fowl of Thailand and well, Southeast Asia? I, I actually just want to um, elaborate, if I could, on what Rachel uh, already introduced, because I this is like a really great set of studies that are indeed examining old chicken bones right. and completely busting apart all sorts of myths. myths the poultry the paradigm has been overturned. Myths <laughs> of the archaic bird. To, to, <laughs> I'm writing this stuff down. To, this build, off of my, uh, to build off of a title of, of one of our mentors. Uh, and, and it's excellent because there are so many, what, what it turns out to be is, is that there's a tremendous amount of misinformation, not done, you know, all, it's all honest, you know, work, but it, it needed a real complete overhaul. And this yeah. overhaul has done so much to completely reorient the origins and diffusion and use of this basic part of a global diet. And in that way, it's kind of reestablished, you know, the whole, our whole notion of, of, uh, of chicken domestication. And that is no small thing. That ain't chicken feed, my friend. That ain't chicken feed. <laughs> it's, it's boiling down the, the chicken concept. <laughs> exactly. Keep going, guys. <laughs> so, I mean, I was just, I, I was enthralled with the whole thing. And the other thing I want to mention is that for up until now, and these articles are from 2022, one's in Antiquity and one's in PNAS, and they're both just delightful to read and filled with great information and fantastic illustrations. Mm -hmm. Got to say that those maps are great. Maps are great, and, yeah. And here for such a long time, we've thought that chicken domestication went back to the third or even fourth millennium. A zillion years ago. A, z a zillion years ago in chicken years. I mean, in chicken well, years, that's like <laughs> two million chicken years. But for human years, it's a lot. And now we know that the whole process is much later than we thought. So right. this is an interesting turnaround because normally science has pushed us backwards. Backwards. Right. right. And now science is pushing us forwards. And that's uh, a little bit refreshing. Yeah, uh, and um, and and it and again because it pushes us forward, it changes everything about you know what we think and what we've assumed. We've always assumed everybody assumes in the old world that you know whenever you're excavating, you're eating chicken. <laughs> right. Well, that's because chicken is so ubiquitous. How, how many of us have eaten chicken in the last forty-eight hours? Exactly, and that's yeah. right. So there's an element of presentism to the whole notion of chicken in antiquity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we make these assumptions based on our dinner last night. <laughs> it was good. Uh, he put a little lime in the on top of it. Sure. Right. So it's not the Neolithic period in Southeast Asia. It's not six thousand years ago. It's like the day after, the day before yesterday, comparatively. Right. And it's not South Asia, and it's not North China which for up until now was thought to be one of the two of the locations of the domestication of the chicken. Mm -hmm. It is central Thailand, Southeast Asia. Right. right. That's the earliest site. Right. And it, and, and the, the domestication process essentially, as they described it 
you know, as they figured out rice domestication and they were yeah. draining these fields and there was rice left around and the chickens unwisely <laughs> came out of the forest to start eating it. And so you have this sort of co-evolutionary process between the chicken and in this case, the rice, not the egg, but the rice. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so you have actually a complete meal. <laughs> <laughs> right there. <laughs> ready to go oh man but the funny thing is and this was brought out in one of the articles it talks about how this is a package that gets diffused out of of, of, of uh, central thailand but it, it's a package but the joke is on us there no one's eating the chicken right the chicken right. seems to be treated as some kind of exotica with a very high kind of social or cultural value. And their chickens are being buried and the butchery, there are no butchery marks on the chickens. So right. it's a meal, but it isn't a meal. Right. It's actually right. an a prestige <laughs> element. It's a happy and meal. <laughs> it's, happy, it's happy, but it's not a meal. Right. <laughs> it's happy for the chicken. <laughs> happy. But, yeah. but um, so it's, a, it, it's social prestige and a grain. So it's top-down, bottom-up package. And that is pretty cool. Right. So, so <laughs> Southeast Asia around 1500 BCE, mm -hmm. reaching the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Europe by about 800-ish right. BCE, reaching Africa 900 CE. Well, there's a little bit of a glitch there. And I, I couldn't, I didn't parse this too closely. <laughs> what, what with reading the article 10 minutes before we, <laughs> we assembled. We expect nothing but less. In, in, uh, in the one article, it does talk about how it reaches Ethiopia around 800 BCE. I mm -hmm. think it, it was talking about South and coastal Africa. Right, right. No, it yeah. wasn't, yeah. not yeah. East uh -huh. Africa, but coastal Western right. Africa, so Mediterranean right. Africa. The yeah. uh, antiquity uh -huh. article mentioned Italy in the 8th century BC, um, France in the 6th or 5th century. Right, and Roman Britain in the 1st century CE, where people are being buried with their, with their pet chickens. Right, and with this is something we need to come back to and not gloss over too quickly. The idea of chicken as exotica. And I think the articles, while they mentioned this, they didn't kind of dwell on it as much as I want to dwell on it. Um, well, dwell, go ahead. Well, yeah, well. Because um, I mean, first, so, so first of all, um, at least um, in this earliest, one of these earliest sites, uh, they're not, so not, they're not being butchered. They're being buried with people. Um, apparently men with, with cocks and women with hens, but I don't know how much evidence they're basing this on. Well, uh, yeah, this is that's a good that's an interesting point because the part of the critiquing of former chicken finds <laughs> is that there's very little evidence. Yeah, we don't have a surfeit of you know chicken finds except from this one site, which is identified as you know the sort of ground zero for chicken domestication by right. non lot. Right. So the yeah. lack of a lot of finds is part of the whole issue. It is. And, and now they're using wet sieving techniques to find bones that would otherwise have been lost um, because chicken bones are, are very fragile. And uh, this is also why they move around, apparently, in excavation stratigraphy, that, that they're found in uh, lower, earlier levels than radiocarbon dating. They sure. slip through the cracks, right? And literally. And yeah. this is, that's a huge point that we also need to, to come right. back. Right, we need to come back to that in more. So why you continue and yeah. then we'll come back to that. Right, so, so in terms of exotica, um, so, I mean, you know, so we're talking about chickens and obviously I started <laughs> to think about chicken related stuff and chicken symbolism. <clears throat> and um, I mean, I could go off for a long time on this, but uh, I'll just- well, That's I'll, frightening. You know. What? <laughs> that's, that's frightening. This, this newly found interest in chicken symbolism. Well, when you guys started to read, didn't all sorts of stuff spring to mind from, from oh, totally. our culture? Oh, um, absolutely. Oh so no, every, every culture. Well, right. mostly cartoons. My head, yeah, my head was well, exploding. I actually had to look up the name Foghorn Leghorn this morning because I couldn't think of his name. Although He's I the patron saint of American ch cartoon chickens. Right. But, I, but say, I say, I <laughs> say. I, I, I actually think that we shouldn't emphasize him too much because I suspect there's a kind of a whole little 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a fair, there's a fair use, uh, you know, element here, I think. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that came to mind besides him immediately before, before Bugs Bunny, what came to mind was Chanticleer. Um, of the uh, of Chaucer's nun's priest tale. <laughs> well, <laughs> and um, of course it had been many years, so I had to reread um, the whole Chanticleer story. But you know, yeah. our whole concept of cockiness and all this in Western culture, this is cock this of the is walk. What, are you what cock of the walk? Yeah, yeah. So, so the idea of of a chicken. So a chicken isn't like a lion, but a chicken has. <laughs> 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 Never accused the chicken of being a lion. That's right. We, we don't know. We, we don't want our listener thinking that we could. We're, we're really mistaking the two. A lion symbolically. A lion, lion, is, lion is a king of the is jungle. The, lion of the flightless bird. Subgenus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, no, I, I disagree. I think the the uh, ostrich or the emu is probably the king of the of flightless course. birds. But of okay. course, I, we right. have to wait for that show to promote that point of view. <laughs> My point <laughs> was, was going to be that point. chickens um, definitely have, have their place in at least Western culture and have for hundreds of years uh, and possibly longer. And, you know, what, what are they thinking when they bury people with, with chickens? Um, in- uh, well, this brings, this brings me to the best word. It's the word of the day, yes. Psycho, psychopomp. Oh yeah, wait, isn't that a great word? That's the best word. Um, whose role, and I quote, whose role it was to lead souls to the afterlife. Such go. a role would have befitted their association with Mercury, the Roman god of communication and travel, to whom large quantities of cockerels were sacrificed at the temple of Ule in Gloucestershire. That's right. And and it means that no one is really really yeah. thinking about getting into the afterlife too quickly. Because chickens don't move fast. So if a chicken is guiding you, you've got plenty of time. <laughs> well, that, that is a good point. That's, right. that's and there are lots of cultures today that, that view chickens in a, in a less um, purely utilitarian fashion than we do. Uh, particularly all those cultures uh, that, that enjoy the, 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 the manly sport of cockfighting. Right. Well, that's a whole, that's a whole big thing. It is. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I've never, I've never partaken myself, <laughs> but in, in lots of cultures, that's like a, a big thing. And the birds are, are treated like, like little Kings. Well, until they tear I, each other apart, but I, I was going to say until they lose. Right. Right. <laughs> But no, but that's still um, that's the duality. It's, it's, okay, <laughs> but that's part of the same um, sort of personality of you know tough fighting, uh, proud birds. And I can also see a proud bird leading, you know, strutting you into the afterlife. Um, <laughs> I don't know that it, it wasn't going to be my first choice. I don't know, a lion or a, something <laughs> would. But hey, you know, it's much. Chickens are much more affordable, I guess, at that. At that level, sure. And I'll say one more thing before I stop. <laughs> no, no, say many more things. <laughs> um, that um, for all this this rooster symbolism that that I've been getting at, uh, chicken symbolism is is very different. Or, or I mean, chickens lay eggs, and the egg symbolism. Wait, what? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa! Back up Whoa. there, sister. Oh my god! Wait a minute. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, All right, this is a very science-based podcast, so I want to make sure that we can that we can I, fully I demonstrate this. I didn't ask which this. came first. I didn't oh, okay. I didn't ask which crossed the road. Then we're um, then we're okay. Chickens lay eggs. The egg is a symbol of renewal, Passover, Easter, roundness, blah blah. All this. Um, very... where, do you get, where do you get round eggs? <laughs> Ovoid. Um, all it's it's a different type of symbolism having to do with the egg which is the product of the chicken mm, but it's not true. the product of the rooster right mm, that's true so yeah. there is a kind of sex-based differentiation yeah yeah, yeah. so um, just, just okay now i'm done got that out there <laughs> no well, my mind's blown now so okay good. All, good all good stuff i mean there's so much good stuff so yeah. i want to talk a little bit about how um these two studies 
not only date the domestication of the chicken much later, especially in Europe, um, but um, how they sort of um, deconstruct all of these earlier studies of, of uh, chicken bones, um, and they look at the representation of chicken, chickens in terms of iconography. They talk a little bit about how chickens pop up in ancient texts. Um, and, and, and just a couple of things. Um, one is the recovery bias, and that you've already mentioned, Rachel, and that's really important. Right. This is something that we all uh, came across in our own work, working on excavations in the 1980s, that if we didn't sift, we weren't going to find animal, uh, bird bones, right. um, we weren't going to find fish bones. So this is an outgrowth of that. Um, two is the misidentification of the chicken. Right, and you certainly can't blame anybody for that. I mean, you know, there aren't a lot of, you know, um, study collections with birds to begin with. So identifying chicken versus pheasant, things like that. But here, and you've already mentioned this, Rachel. So I'm just going to elaborate on it a little. Please. This whole issue of imprecise dating, yeah, and that I found fascinating. Chicken bones move around a lot in excavations. Yes. And in the second study in antiquity, which was really just focused on Europe, yeah. 23, they retested 23 bones, only five were consistent with the stratigraphic phasing of the dig. Right. All the rest of them were much later. Some of them were almost like modern. Right. And so for instance, there was a chicken bone found in Tiran's in a Bronze Age context, and that chicken bone dated 1300 years later than the Bronze Age context. Yeah. So presumably yeah. it was a late Bronze Age context. So instead of being in the late Bronze Age, it literally dated to, you know, roughly zero. <laughs> um, and yeah. that is quite the cautionary tale. It's my it's pretty mind blowing. And it's pretty yes. mind blowing. Yes. Yes. And and it certainly it certainly speaks to um how unbelievably dynamic um dirt <laughs> dirt is piles of dirt right. where where things move up and down right constantly at, at different rates and different materials because bugs are moving things or bugs are digging holes and animals are burrowing and things are small and they fall through the cracks and, and as plants the are growing and plants and, are, and plants are moving and then they're dying and providing a huge vector for all these bones to trickle down. Right. Again, because chicken bones are light. Let's let's just make that clear that a lot of stratigraphic <laughs> right. analysis. If you have a heavy that. chicken bone, yeah, please report it immediately. Well that well that was one of the outcomes. That was one of the misidentifications. They were finding chicken bones and they were saying, whoa, these are way too big for chicken bones. And then they dated them and they looked at them more closely. And it's like, yeah, they're not chicken bones. They're a different kind of bird. Right. Um, so yeah, you, you know, right, all of that stuff. Let, can I just interject though one thing because absolutely these the, the dirt is dynamic, but lest our listeners forget, um, when listener when the listener forgets uh, <laughs> um, the uh, when you're doing archaeology, um, you can find very cleanly sealed strata, and you can often date things stratigraphically with a good amount of of confidence because not everything moves okay you, you really let's, let's not downgrade um dirt archaeology too much no 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 it's no, I, I just want that to no no it, it's it's acknowledging that that we we live on a, on a on a blue on a blue ball that that is it's a living thing and that things really do move and you yeah. know one good earthquake will will shoot rocks weighing a million tons up in the air and but it's right. not even that traumatic as an earthquake it's just that things it's move just things move and, and that there are sort of like i think that now chicken bones just get moved into a different category like for a long time you know cheap goat cattle bones you find them and you just think that they're contemporaneous with everything else and you just go along your might you know merry way and you certainly would never see 14 you know right a, a, a goat bone Right. But now chicken bones have to be moved into a slightly different category and have to be looked at much more carefully. Right. Um, like yeah. anything else, you really have to look very, very carefully at the contexts and figure out what, what the level of confidence is in that particular 
in that particular context, whether it's, you know, mushy and, and especially dynamic, or it's something that seems particularly sealed and and more static. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it, it, it demands a higher level, a higher skill level, really. Right. And, right. Uh, and, now we ha- and now that we know really where ground zero is for them, now we know that if, you know, we're getting chicken bones in the late Bronze Age, something's up. We have to check them. Right. And that they, they belong, if they're in, they're in Southwestern Asia, they belong at the end of the second millennium at the earliest. Which is to, to bring up a little joke here, I, I couldn't find a quick way to do this. So I'm just going to say late second millennium, chicken bones. When do we get the, the, the origins of the Israelites? With chickens. Chicken soup doesn't exist <laughs> until you get the Israelites. So which came first? Which came first? Which came first, the chicken soup or the Israelites? That's all I have to say. Well done. A little forced, but I haven't put that in there. A little forced, but you made it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> We're recording it, actually. So, yeah. so, um, a couple, so another thing that I found fascinating, and this we know in lots of other uh, sort of, um, I don't know what, you know, aspects of archaeology, which is the very traditional, very rather very orthodox nature of most human societies, right? So the wheel gets invented, uh, the wheel, but, but wheel-made pottery takes a while to sort of become adopted by lots of different societies. So, and in Mesoamerica, they have the wheel, but it's only used as a toy. When the Spanish come and introduce the wheel writ large, traditional Me- uh, Mesoamerican potters don't adopt wheel-made pottery for hundreds of years. Here we have a case in Britain where the chicken is introduced uh, and it's introduced and used as exotica, social prestige, and it doesn't become a food for seven to 800 years. Yeah. And that to me was another one of these, whoa. Right, that's a shocker. That's yeah. a shocker. Yeah. You're looking at easy animal protein, you know, not on the hoof, but on two scrawny little legs. Right. And, and all they're doing is worshiping these damn things, whatever <laughs> they're doing with them and for 700 years before someone says, Hey, they're cheap. There's millions of them. Right. Put that in the pot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, so, I mean, this, this is an interesting thing, which I don't think we can answer, which is how do you do that? How do you go from this is a ritual, special thing, beast, whatever, to let's eat it. I don't know if beast is the right word. <laughs> it's a, it's sort a of, little beast. Yeah. Sort of little, little, it's kind of a Napoleonic thing. <laughs> These tiny little, you know, strutting. Right. Maybe that's why they were afraid for 700 years. I guess that's strut. <laughs> um, but who, now, who, who was the first person to put the chicken in the pot? Right. And was he was he hailed as a hero or is he was he burned as a heretic along he with or she, and I he just, or she? And this is the thing that gets me. So in one of those early um uh early bronze age or bronze age contexts in, in Thailand, yeah. chickens yeah. are being buried uh with presumably elites alongside domesticated pig, domesticated bovine and domesticated dog. Presumably, they're eating pig and bovine, as well as obviously having some kind of prestige associated with them and they're being buried. And having a relationship with the dog. Right, and they have, right, but they're not eating dogs. They're not, when they're not eating, but it's a, but they're taking that dog out of circulation when they die. Right. As a, as a pet. Yeah. And so what I want to know, and this again, comes to the point of underrepresentation. Are chickens like dogs or are chickens like bovines and pigs? In other words, they haven't found chickens with butchery marks, but that's not to say chickens aren't, that the the chicken bones with butchery marks aren't out there. Right. So I want to know, are they, clearly, are they eating the pig? I would presume yes. Are they eating the bovine? That I don't know. Is it just a traction animal? Is it just for milk or, right. So I would like to know, honestly, are there no examples of butchered chickens 
in Bronze Age um, Southeast Asia? Is that really the case or is just is it due to underrepresentation right. of the and that's a very good question. And we know because the articles concentrate on the fact that it's hard to find chicken bones. It's hard to find and chicken bones. Right? If you're finding them through wet sieving, you're not going to find every bone and you're not going to find tree marks. And here we can get into a bit of presentism. And here I speak only for myself. <laughs> when I eat chicken on the bone, I'm nibbling away on some of those bones. You know, some of those nice crispy little bones coming off the grill. <laughs> or, you know, some of the soft bones. So maybe they're not represented because chicken bones have marrow in them. Marrow is, of course, something that everybody, you know, wants, you know, is coveted. Um, so maybe those chicken bones are being consumed. Maybe they're being, you know, boiled in soup. And by the end of the process, the chicken bone is just not really, there's not too many chicken bones left. Only a dark meat liker would have come up with this. Um, I, uh, yep. Yeah. I, uh, um, but you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, when did people start eating eggs? Well, that's a really good question because that we're really never going to have archaeological evidence no, for. No, we're not. You do um, find like ostrich eggs being used in, you know, for, for prestige. Right, but those are big and thick. Chicken, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's not like we find duck or goose eggs in archaeological right. context. We have them, I kind of graphically, I, I, I would suspect in Egyptian contexts. Right. But um, yeah, and there was that note uh, in, I forget which article, but um, maybe the antiquity one about how it's not until Roman imperial times, not Roman Republic, but imperial times that both chicken and egg are being consumed in mass quantities. Mm -hmm. So here we have, and then that's kind of also an interesting economic, social, cultural thing. It's with empire that we get the industrialization of this and consumption of this small, easy to you know propagate source. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's that's kind of an interesting uh, you know um, system there. Chicken egg empire. In this yeah. case, the Roman. It's 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 virtually a syllogism. <laughs> no, that that is actually very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I like this idea of, of the chicken as a as a royal symbol. There's a there's a a an, an etching, not an etching, a graffiti of a chicken on a flake in King Tut's tomb, and it's a pretty right. good looking chicken. And then there's a very famous um, seal, an Israelite seal, eighth century or something, of a of a rooster with somebody's name under it. And then there are other Iron Age seals from from Syria. So you have to imagine, I guess, that <clears throat> you know these <laughs> these royal characters are are at, at once flaunting their chickens to well to who um, is a question. But keeping the chicken technology as a kind of restricted knowledge, um, because if the chicken, if if the secret knowledge of the chicken escapes and they start propagating, some some bumpkin is going to throw one into a pot. Well, um, I, I would think before you even get to that, I think that if you've got you know stoner priests and a rod and chickens, <laughs> I kind of believe. Uh, right. those, chickens, those royal chickens, those right. fancy, those right. fancy chickens have a short shelf life. <laughs> <laughs> maybe exactly. the maybe the munchies were the origins of the the transition. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Well, the other thing that I, in my very very limited research before we podcast, um, the Hebrew Bible does not really talk about chickens um, yeah. at all. Exactly. But the, but the New Testament does. Yeah, and. The, the lack of, of uh, chickens in the Hebrew Bible, I think, is, is really telling yeah. about their, um, they're not being consumed, but they're, and they also, they're not being, you know, maybe these royal chickens or these chickens on seals and things like that are a little bit outside of the um, prescribed, you know, because yeah. they're not supposed or, to be. Or, or maybe they're just associated with the royal establishment, so they're being ignored by by you know prophets and and others who were very opposed to right royal ideology but right then ideology. why would they be picked up in the area where you do have priestly writing 
I suspect yeah. maybe it's because they don't want to emphasize any animal as being, uh, you know, in maybe. any kind of hierarchy. Maybe, or maybe they just really weren't that important and weren't worth <laughs> writing about. Um, I mean, but, they, uh, you know, they didn't like goddess worship either, but they wrote a whole lot about that. So, uh, but, but, you know, in, in one of these articles or perhaps one of the many quickly propagating chicken articles that are out there, I did read that, that by, um, by the Hellenistic period. So by, you know, the four hundreds or three hundreds, there's a hugely intensified use of of the chicken in in the southern Levant. It goes from and, like three percent of the bone assemblages in the second millennium to fifty percent in in the Hellenistic period. Some kind of huge mm-hmm. right. And in, and in Egypt, chickens don't get utilized heavily until the Persian period. That's a good too. Um, yeah. So I mean, eventually, they are making the shift that you mentioned, Rachel. They are going from uh, prestige, social, you know, currency to, uh, <laughs> to chow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, some, something else that just occurred to me, um, which may or may not be relevant. Um, so the three of us once worked at a site, Talia Kush, where um, the dumpings from the chicken yard were gathered mm. right near where we were working. And the smell of, of chicken poop is um, rather unpleasant, much more unpleasant than from other domesticated animals. And, um, you know, do you not agree with me? <laughs> no, I, I, I completely agree with you. Absolutely. Okay. And, and, you know, you want to, you need space uh, outside of your city walls, I would say, if you're going, I mean, I guess you need that for most animals. Okay, but, but you're, you're talking about industrialized chicken production where there's, I mean, if anything, industrialized, the, uh, the products of industrialized pig production are, okay. are a million times worse because it's all liquid and and, and horrible. Right. Whereas the, the chicken, you know, the, the mountains of chicken dung could actually be used as fertilizer, but, but right. certainly, you know, okay. as a source of contamination or as fertilizer, uh, you know, guano uh, right. in, in the earlier periods, I, I don't think it was, it was so big on the other hand, like other bird products, um, you know, you have uh, after when does the when do people start building columbaria to mm, keep mm, doves? Mm. Good right. point. Good no, point. And, and, and I'm, I think I'm. Yeah. Is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Frank. No, I was just going to say maybe I'm thinking on the wrong scale. I should be thinking about like homesteaders with chicken coops, not industrial size. Right. Or, or you know, in Brooklyn, keeping chickens is quite quite uh, fashionable. Right. But the the issue about columbaria is interesting because. There are domesticated birds, or not, they're not actually domesticated, but things like ducks and geese are undoubtedly being manipulated and used. We're talking about something, and now we know we can't lump chickens in with them. The chicken situation is very. <laughs> chicken situation has changed drastically. <laughs> Our views, yeah, we've got, we've got to parse these fowl in different ways. Right. And, and we just know this from, again, the, you know, uh, reliefs, um, Egyptian reliefs and, you know, how they catch geese and how they catch ducks. Right. People are fouling from the, from, right. You know, a million years BC, as soon as they could make spears and nets and stuff. Right. 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 So they're they're comfortable eating birds. Right. And fouling is one thing, but, uh, you know, keeping them. Husbandry, yeah. right? Which I just love that term. Also, <laughs> um, is it different? It's a different thing. In our and, second hour, we're going to deconstruct the term animal husbandry. <laughs> but but the th- and, and and it's a different thing because and and uh, the article in um, it was the one in PNAS talks about how there's a little bit of information about rice coming into Southwest Asia in the late second millennium, along with chickens. Yeah. So I wanted to just talk about that split. We have to have, we have ducks and geese fowling on the one hand and we have chicken husbandry on the other. 
And, you know, they are two separate worlds. Yeah, that's a very um, good point. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly the part of the article that I found most interesting, that um, the chickens are, are following the food that they like to eat. Yeah. And as soon as that food starts to move, the chickens move with it. Well, I don't know how much moving the chickens are doing on their own. <laughs> so, I, I don't think that I've never thought of the chicken as a migratory animal. <laughs> well, but that's and that's but that's sort of at the heart of this yeah. article. And and this is again, right? This is new, it's just thinking about all of this in a new way. Yeah. They're talking about rice cultivation moving. They're looking at and it's a specific kind of rice cultivation, right? It's not um, rice patties, right. it's sowing rice grains in fields that are, um, you know, uh, that are going to be uh, propagated through dry farming. So right. rain. And it's the movement of this kind of rice propagation in both directions, east and west, right? They also mentioned the domestication or, you know, chicken, domesticated chickens in Melanesia dating to about 800. And that's, you know, showing up in and the whole Melanesian movements, which again are Polynesian movements that go, and this is where the directions get weird. They go west, mm -hmm. or they go east rather, until they you know reach obviously, you know, Hawaii. And they also go west, right? So they're Melanesian languages that show up in um, Madagascar. And it gets very complicated uh, because of that. But um, I don't know. I think the I think the chickens are crossing the road, <laughs> another road, because they want that damn rice. Not uh, they're crossing oceans. <laughs> well, well, right. Ultimately, they're cross, crossing oceans, but in going west, they're not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, well, to get to Madagascar, I guess they have to. Well, well that's okay. you're going you got to back up and take a long. But that's the whole Polynesian migration right. stuff, and that's because the Polynesians will, you know, get into these these uh, outrigger canoes and have their full suite of animals. Man, they're crossing oceans with pigs and chickens. <laughs> well, and, and that's one of the great things about uh, chickens is that they're so they're so darn portable. They're so darn portable. You just you just basically tuck one under your arm with have your suitcase in your other hand, right? And but, you're 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 off and and running. And right. uh, and you have a <laughs> you have a psychopomp to take you into the next life, <laughs> and you have a and you have a snack. But maybe <laughs> the chickens aren't so afraid of humans because they're not being the consumption level of them is so low mm. that, that they're not really recognizing that you know they're the peril. Right, the peril. Exactly. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, a couple of us got knocked off last night, but it's only two or three. And I never <laughs> like that one guy anyway. Right. <laughs> so I will say, I will say at the site of Bon Watt, I'm sorry, I don't want to mispronounce it, Bon Non Watt, that they do find a lot of chicken bones at that site. Right. And that there is a distinctive kill pattern. Juveniles are being killed. And so at that site, they should be a little bit more aware. They should be afraid. But that site seems to be a bit of an outlier. Um, Something, yeah. Yeah, and that might just be because of the careful uh, exca uh, uh, you know, excavation. Right. Uh, right. Well, there's also the question of chicken agency, <laughs> and, <laughs> that, that that we we don't want to over <laughs> overstate. Um, no, let's not. <laughs> you know, seeing as how you know their brains are not their most prominent features. But is but, it the size of a lentil? I think. <laughs> so, I think, I, I think a, a wild lentil. <laughs> yeah, have the brains the size of lentils. But but they do like the open areas and when forests. Right. Are clear oh, who doesn't? To, really? Right. No, a lot so, of animals don't. A lot of animals. Yeah, so, okay. They they want the safety of the forest, but not chickens. Chickens. No, chickens like it like the open areas. So yeah. it's a yeah. whole. Right. It's a whole cultural system once they start cultivating rice. Yeah, and millet. Like, Don't forget millet. And, and um, millet. Though, yeah. you know, and again, and also millet doesn't appear in Southwest Asia until sort of, you know, the late second millennium. Um, right, right. Um, and I also wanted to say that rice is mentioned in a Middle Assyrian texture or texts by 1100. Right. So right. There, there is this clear textual strand of evidence as well as the archaeological evidence, which we've been talking about. So, And I want to mention that Maurice Sendak in his, one of his most famous over uh, chicken soup and rice. Mm. Puts good the whole point. thing together. Absolutely. Very good point. 
And yeah. that's, that's great food for, for when you're sick and, you know, yeah. food for thought, food for thought. <laughs> but let's, let's not count our chickens before they hatch. <laughs> Just hatch. Yeah. Somebody, somebody had to do it. Yeah. Um, 80 billion chickens in the world today. Wow. Yeah. So the, well, another less every day, right? Or, <laughs> well, we'll make more. It's like right. Doritos, you know? Yeah. Well, now it is. Sure. But uh, yeah, that's the that's the brilliance of 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 the chicken is mm-hmm, that it's yeah. you know sort of self self replicating and it's it's but now like any other crop it's extremely sensitive and yeah. they're you know monocropping particular there are over five hundred different varieties of chicken in the world right and that's something I want to mention fancy chickens. We have all of these fancy chickens that if you go online and look for fancy chickens, you will be shocked, maybe appalled, maybe <laughs> impressed at the plumage of some of these fancy birds. Mm. And that's what I wanted to know is um, what these uh, red jungle fowl looked like and if they were being manipulated at the, you know, sort of feather level, the fancy level, which wouldn't show up necessarily in their bone structure. Because when it, when we talk about um, sorry, it's a little got a little cacophony going on back here. Um, when we talk about fancy birds, I think then you can really that's a chicken you might want to follow into the afterlife. You know, one of these yeah. incredibly plumed and beautiful looking chickens. Yes. And yes. there's a there could be a lot of social prestige in that. Right. That's the kind of you can't eat that. Look how yeah, beautiful right. that is. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, that brings us back to sort of the beginning of this that we were talking about before, the, the symbolism of the rooster. Look how juicy it looks. Look at its, well, I see. Look at its no, it's beautiful. Stop it. Don't talk don't, like that. But I don't think they were juicy. And well, probably not. Right. Get into this, but they kept talking about, you know, how they're small. And right. so maybe for quite a while, they weren't. Just wasn't you know, worth it. It wasn't worth it. Yeah. Cornish game hens. it's the chicken police (laughs) but um Um, but they're eating pigeons right they're eating pheasants so they're used to eating scrawny birds that don't have a lot of meat on them right there are there aren't a lot of non-scrawny birds that you could you could actually get your hands on um and you wouldn't want to mess with an ostrich definitely not Definitely um, not. Yeah. <laughs> just want to steal the egg and run as fast as possible. Right. Right. And that's probably why ostrich eggs were such prestige items. Does anyone eat ostrich today? I guess somebody must. Oh, I yeah. I mean, it's one of the exotic, you know, when you go to these, yeah, there's ostrich meat and, you know, it, the whole thing. It's lean. It's better for you. It's this, huh. it's that. Yeah. Ostrich and all of these kinds of things. I don't know about emu, but ostrich you can definitely get in the United States. The dodo. (laughs) (laughs) I think the ship has sailed on the dodo. (laughs) The most delicious of the giant birds (laughs) that we'll never know. Yeah. Giant birds and humans don't go well together. Right. Over exploit them. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, so maybe, uh, no, go ahead. Please. No, no, no. I, I was going to add something completely irrelevant, um, which is, and I was just looking it up, but I couldn't find definitive. Um, I've heard that chickens were once considered parv, and I believe yeah. there's at least a Talmudic study, a, a yeah. discussion about it, right? So the chickens ended up as, as meat. And you know what? Eggs are parv. Um, right. So, and so, in other words, so close to, right. a, uh, to chicken parmesan. Right. So neither I'll, I'll just get this in um neither fish nor fowl um yeah. sort of. uh but but no, the, the classification um, how humans have classified chickens um that's kind of what i was getting at no that's a very good point yeah. Special laws, yeah. as, as a beautiful thing that we're going to make a mosaic of <laughs> hold still chicken <laughs> no no show me your be- your your other side is your better side um Final words, final thoughts, best way to cook a chicken. My final thought is eat no chicken. <laughs> um, I smoke, don't know. Smoke, uh, them on a, smoke them in a smoker. 
Mm. There's there's, there's grown. Grown. Yeah, there's too much to say. Um, you can I mean, fry them. There's so many good ways. I mean, honestly, it, chicken. And, and that's one of the great things about the chicken is that it's almost infinitely malleable as long as you don't eat it raw. Because there's that one guy at the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Chicken sushi. No. Well, that's 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 actually another thing we should we should have mentioned that you know chicken can more easily be contaminated by modern right. standards than 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 red meat. Um, right. We so. want to go on record as not encouraging our listener to eat raw chicken. Right. No, Did you all know that there's a dish called um, chicken Charlemagne? No. <laughs> What? No, what's in it but i but i have but i know i know what song this <laughs> is going to bring up now it seems what? to be a pan fried um type of chicken with vegetables uh so and that's one thing we didn't talk about is the co-evolution of of cooking technologies with particular ingredients with especially proteins uh, as I think okay. that's a different podcast. <laughs> Dr. Joffrey's putting his mortarboard on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any any other final thoughts? Alex, you, maybe? Useful and delicious. That's what I aspire to be. <laughs> just, like the, just like the noble chicken that will lead us into the next life. Nice. <laughs> okay. And with that, shall we end? Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, um. Well, that episode was both delicious and informative, I say, I say. So we'd like to thank Erez Dessel for our theme music. Look for him performing around the Chicago and New York areas. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Krakatoa Fried Chicken, the only place to get chicken slow-cooked over a lava dome. To get in touch, leave us a comment. Send us an email, an email. That's what they're called. Emails at this week in the ancient Near East. It's all one word, as you know, at gmail.com or send us a postcard at P.O. Box 1177, Boston, Mass. 02134.